2: Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to
0: Spirit of Recovery place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth and recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you're participating here with us at Spirit of Recovery. We are always glad to hear from you on our Facebook wall and glad to hear from you via email, and uh, you can certainly call in a comment or a question today during the program, Thank you for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your unity community know about the spirit of recovery. It's great to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery on Unity Online Radio, unity.fm. And uh, we are so glad that our guests are touching your heart and giving you new ideas and new depths for thinking about your recovery. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community And we have guests who are down to earth, who are knowledgeable, and people who are innovative, people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And they bring us practical information and spiritual insights that they work with on a daily basis. And so we know that uh, from your responses that this is getting you thinking and that it is having a real positive effect on your spirituality and your recovery walk. We want you to know also that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, and so if you're a person who's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member or a family member or friend of someone with the disease of addiction, whether or not that person is in recovery, or whether you're just interested or curious about the process of recovery, we're just happy to have you listening with us here on Spirit of Recovery, and we welcome your participation in our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and a recovery counselor, so I'm a person who has, in my circle of love and friendship, many people with the disease of addiction. And 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth, recovery, and spiritual development. And uh, that's my walk today is an integration of the unity and the recovery principles. And my life keeps transforming, and I keep growing in deeper ways. And so I'm very grateful uh, that I have been brought into this pathway and grateful for the difference that it makes in my life. So again, thank you for listening today. It's a great uh, opportunity to be able to share these guests with you and share these ideas with you and also to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. So today, our topic is stepping up to spiritual growth. And my guest is Beth A. Beth has over 30 years of recovery as a family member and Beth, uh, one of the things that really impresses me about Beth's recovery is that she continues to work the steps. That she not only uh, worked them the first time when she got into her recovery process, but she continues to work them through the years and also to share that with other people. So, Beth, welcome to Spirit of Recovery.
3: Thank you, Anna. It's my pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you for saying yes. We're really glad that you're here today. So would, uh, you have been in recovery for over 30 years. And um, could you tell us a little bit uh, to start off with just what difference that made to your life early on to get into recovery as a family member?
3: Well, it was transformative. Um, my, I grew up with an alcoholic father and um, swore I would never marry an alcoholic, I even told that alcoholic that I would never marry an alcoholic, and uh, of course I did marry an alcoholic, never say never, and um, it was a very sad, it wasn't a horrible situation, but I was living, as a young adult, I was I was very sad, and because things weren't working out too well, and I was thinking that... Um, that I didn't deserve to be married, I didn't deserve to have a good relationship, that I was, did a lot of blaming of my parents, not just my father, but my mother for not protecting me from him and his disease. Um, I woke up daily with a knot of anxiety in my gut, um, of fear that you would find out that that I was a fraud um, even though I was a I was a professional person and uh, I never felt that I knew enough and um, that or that I was enough and um, I was reminded of this last night I was in a I have a step study group meeting at my home right now and We're talking about our fears, and that particular fear came up with almost everyone. And I I had kind of forgotten about it, even though there are still vestiges that live within me. But um, so to make a long story short, I was kind of sentenced to Al-Anon when my father went to treatment, and I told the addiction counselor um, about my husband and his alcoholism and how, um, in which I had kept a big secret from my family because of my own false pride. I'd been trying to tell my mother to get rid of my father for years, and um, and here I was stuck in the same situation that she was in, and I her excuse for not... Uh, I called it an excuse at the time. She had a very good reason for not getting rid of my father, and that was that she believed in the sanctity of the marriage, and she believed in keeping the family together, and she believed in her vows of for better or for worse, and she was willing to stick with him even in the worst. And I got that from her, and I wasn't willing to um, get rid of my husband either. So um, I was sentenced to Al-Anon after we did an intervention on my father, which often doesn't work, but in his case he became willing to go to a treatment center. And I went to the family uh, program, and they sentenced me to Al-Anon. And really the minute I walked in the door of, the group that I started in—it was a combination AA and Al-Anon room. I felt—I felt like I was going into a speakeasy, you know, the secret place where you knock three times and they—they <laughs> they look to see who's out there, and if you're a recovering person, they let you in. If—if if you're just, you know, if you're not, you—you you can't. It's a secret place, and I immediately felt this sense of belonging that I had never had before. Even, even in my own family, in my school, in places where I did belong, I, I never felt that I belonged until I stepped into the rooms of Al-Anon. And I found such unconditional love and acceptance there. Um, even when I would proclaim my I would call it agnosticism to them when they were talking about God as they understood him. I would, you know, kind of proudly say, well, I don't really believe in God. But I could, you know, I could feel the presence of a higher power in that room. And there was no judgment. It was just keep coming back, you know, keep coming back. They would give me hugs and ask me to keep coming back, and, and I did. And the immediate effect, there's a saying in the program about being on the pink cloud, and the pink cloud is that period of time in which uh, it's early in the program in which all all my troubles seem to disappear. It was just this absolute knowledge that everything was all right, everything was going to be all right, and that I was going to live happily ever after. So that was the immediate effect. <laughs> Last ever, um, because they call these 12-step programs for a reason, and that is that uh, recovery requires actually working the 12 steps, and working is work. And it's, it's a simple uh, recipe for a transformed life, but it's, it's not an easy recipe. And so I had to start um, taking some action
4: that was
3: uh, suggested by the people in the rooms of Al-Anon. And eventually, when I had the courage to um, ask for a sponsor and to give a sponsor permission to to help me, and to admit that I needed help, um, things started really changing for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, just so, starting with go ahead, go ahead. Well, just starting with step one. At step one, is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable, and I certainly had no problem with admitting that my life had become unmanageable. That that free-floating anxiety that I felt every single day—I um, didn't look like my life was unmanageable. I had—I uh, was dressed for success, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I uh, would bring my briefcase to <laughs> Al-Anon meetings just to let you know how important I was <laughs> and how uh, my work defined me. And you know, my hair was just so, and my. Outfit was just so, and um, but my sponsor told me much later that she could see in my eyes that there was a deep sadness there, and so um, I, I didn't, I didn't um, have any problem with admitting that my life was unmanageable because I knew it was just, just that I didn't think anybody else knew it, and I wanted, didn't want anybody else to know that. The powerlessness part, we admitted we were powerless, um, was something I I really had to focus on because I had, uh, from the time I was a teenager, had tried to control my father's alcoholism. I had um, had an encounter with him one night late when I had come home uh, I was about 16 years old and everybody else was in the house and I was coming home and I wasn't past my curfew but um, the lights were all out in the house and my dad, but my dad was awake and he was sitting in his chair and he was drunk and he had his favorite drink which was a tumbler of martini and he was wanting me to feel sorry for him. He was telling me if only this would happen my life would be better if only that would happen my life would be better and poor me and my response was not pity but it was disgust and so i went into the kitchen and conveniently all the bottles were under the sink all the booze bottles and i proceeded to pour them all down the drain and At the time, I thought, well, it's about time somebody took care of this problem, and I felt very smug and self-satisfied that I had finally done it, and uh, I went up to bed and uh, had a good night's sleep, and when I came down the next morning, uh, my father was already coming in from the liquor store, and he had a whole grocery bag full of Replacements for what I had poured down the drain. He had a sheepish look on his face, you know, kind of a shamed look. But he continued to drink for 20 more years, and I, um, um so I turned my attention to my mother, and whenever she would complain about it, which wasn't very often, I would give her advice about how to handle her marriage, even though I had. Never been married at that point. Um, So I continued to try to control my family. And even uh, what got my dad into recovery finally was an intervention, which I had arranged through my employer. And so I was taking uh, credit for his recovery. And so I really had to work on that powerless thing. Um, And my sponsor suggested that I make a list of all things that I was powerless over. Hey, hold I, on to uh, that one.
0: We're get, It's time sure. for a break. This is great. Okay. We'll be right
3: back. And when we come back, we're going to hear how you
0: finally began to to realize that you were powerless over your father's yeah. drinking. Okay. Thanks a lot, Beth. Okay, we'll be right back.
1: Any time a situation seems confusing or hopeless, most likely I am viewing it from a perspective of human limitation. Instead, I have the innate power to see any circumstance from a spiritual perspective by turning to God in prayer. If I am seeing only problems and not solutions, illness and not wholeness, lack and not abundance, I sit quietly in the silence and reestablish my oneness with God, affirming wisdom, wholeness, and abundance. I begin to see things differently, at one with infinite possibility. I scale the heights of human awareness and view the world as from above, expressing oneness with God in all that I think, say, and do. I allow my spirit to soar.
2: This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word, inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or a friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today, online at dailyword.com.
5: Responding. Universe responding. how do you really transform that thought you've held in your mind into a reality in your life how do you work in partnership with god to co-create the life that you've always imagined one way is through the universe responding spiritual model for life each week, Valerie Crabtree will share how to use the universe responding elements and principles to co create your life through continuous communication with your higher power. She'll answer your questions using this practical, understandable concept, and your life will change. Listen to Universe Responding on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world.
2: listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Stepping Up to Spiritual Growth. And my guest is Beth A. Beth has over 30 years of recovery as a family member. And she's a person who worked the steps when she first came into the program, and she continues to work them um, on a regular basis after all these years. And she also makes it a point to share them with other people and um, make sure that she is engaging other people in that step study process Um, And so Beth is telling us some really important things about how the steps have made a real difference in her life. But before Beth and I continue our conversation, I invite you all to join me in just a moment to center ourselves in a moment of relaxation in our serenity minute. So I invite you to relax and to share with me this constructive idea. I put thought and energy into my ongoing recovery. I put thought and energy into my ongoing recovery. Thank you for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And now we're back with my guest, Beth Bay, and we're talking about the topic, Stepping Up to Spiritual Growth. And so before the break... Uh, Beth, was, you were telling us uh, wonderfully how uh, you had tried to control your father's drinking when you were growing up um, and how you once, though you uh, got to be an adult, that you uh, began and began to uh, understand that you were powerless. So you said that your first sponsor invited you to make uh, a list on your first step about what you were powerless over. So
3: what did you come up with? Well, <laughs> the first time I did it that I can remember, I was in a cab going to the airport in a rainstorm and there was a huge traffic jam and I was late as usual, which was kind of a habitual problem that I had. And I was heard myself screaming at the cab driver, maybe not screaming, but <clears throat> Definitely complaining loudly. And I thought, you know, he can't do anything about this and neither can I. And I got quiet and I just started writing about how powerless I was over the traffic, how powerless I was over the weather. I was powerless over the airline schedule, over the the way the driver drove, Um was really shocked at how many things I was powerless over. It was really just kind of almost everything. And just quieting down and letting the world do its thing while I sat where I had to be and where I was, um, it just made a huge difference in how I felt. And do you know that... What happened that day was that he dropped me off. I was quiet for the rest of the ride, which I'm sure he was very grateful for. <clears throat> he dropped me off at the terminal. I strode onto that airplane because it had been delayed. I mean, there was no way I could have made that plane. There was no there was no way, but it it was delayed that day because of the weather, I guess. And I mean, there's always an earthly explanation for for God's miracles and but to me it was a miracle, and I was the last person on the plane. They shut the door, and off we went. And, you know, I think that was God's way of getting my attention, that that was something that he wanted me to continue to do, was to let him be in charge and to free me from that need, pardon me, (laughs) that need to, to do his job for him and uh, you know that's really that's really transformative uh, it's a whole it was a whole radical new way of thinking for me and you know i think that our thinking um is well my thinking was what got me into trouble in uh, in my relationships reactions to other people's addictions and um just making that list which you know I continue to do that it's part of the step study that I'm participating in right now we did that was the first thing we did was write a list of things we were powerless over and um the list that I wrote this time said the unex- I'm powerless over the unacceptable behavior of those I respect and admire the drinking of those I respect and admire the smoking, health, self-care, denial of those, I think, and respect and admire. The traffic was on there again, the economy, the state of my profession, my age, the aging process, impending death, which is not really impending, I hope, but um, societal attitudes about aging, um, the amount of knowledge available in my profession, which is seems uh, overwhelming to me at times, um, Sarcasm teasing and mocking of someone close to me to me, um, having to deal with a traffic ticket, you know just things like that the the little nitpicky things of life, and when I admit that I' am powerless, then I'm able to be set free from obsessing about them, which is doesn't really help. And then I can go on to the next step, which is uh, admitted to God. Uh, excuse me, step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And the sanity, the you know, it implies insanity. And the insanity is thinking that I have control over these things. And so... The writing exercise for that is to write a list of my unsound thinking as, and my crazy behavior. And so, um, one of those, you know, I was said I was powerless over my age, and my some of my unsound thinking is limiting my own options because of my age. Um, Self limitation. Um, Thinking I'm not good enough to be in my profession, that's you know that was that knot of anxiety that that um I had early early on, and that can still come back to haunt me sometimes um, so um, then you know when I recognize in that step that my I have unsound thinking and crazy behavior i don't I have more compassion for others who. <laughs> might have some obsessive thinking about things such as alcoholics and other addicts and I also have some feeling of maybe I can do something about this. If I'm the one that's doing it to me, maybe I can do something about it. And maybe I need some help doing that, which takes me to step three and that is I came to believe that a I mean, uh, what is it? <laughs> power power greater than ourselves. Our, our power greater than ourselves, um will um uh, you know, asking for that power's help and trusting that um that, that power cares for me and uh and if I will trust him then I can make that decision to turn my will and my life over to god's care as i understand him and what i love about the steps you know it says god as i understand him to me god was the g word in those days and i since this is a unity uh program i have to let you know how one little unity uh publication helped me to learn to understand god and that is the Daily Word, my my early sponsor was part of the Unity Church, and she had a subscription to The Daily Word and got one for me. And I have one right here in front of me that I had laminated. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's just, um, it was like the first thing that gave me, um an idea of who God is. Would you read it for us? Would you read it for us? Okay, well, here's October 16th. This is from 1981. I am calm, serene, relaxed. I release every detail of my life into God's care and keeping. I relax now. I lay aside everything that troubles me. I release every detail of my life into God's care and keeping. God is in charge of all that concerns me. And you know I had no concept of that in my life before. My my uh parents did the best they could. My mother went to church weekly and my father refused to go to church but insisted that we go. And I was told that God was someone that you prayed to and asked asked for things, and you know that sounded like Santa Claus to me, and um uh, I would ask him for things, and I wouldn't get them. Um, Santa Claus, on the other hand, <laughs> always came through, so I didn't have much use for God, you know I thought he was someone that was to serve me, and he wasn't doing a very good job. But this little pamphlet, and this is just one day in that uh, there was a page like that for every day, and that's just part of that page. That gave me a whole different way of thinking about God. And the fact that it was given to me by people that I trusted in the program made a huge difference because I could see in their lives that they were calm, serene, and relaxed, and that. They weren't full of anxiety the way I was, um, and so I started to relax and trust. And uh, my first prayer was this very cynical prayer, but it was it was a genuine prayer. It was okay, God, if you're there, show me. You know, prove it. <laughs> and the phone rang. <laughs> Hmm. And things started to be arranged for me in a way that I had nothing to do with. And, of course, again, there were earthly explanations for these things, but the fact was that I had no, no hand in it, and things were working out in a way that would lead me to a situation which... Transformed my thinking yet again in another way. And um... hi, Beth. Hi. Sorry.
0: That's you okay. We lost. We lost you. We
3: had a technical difficulty.
0: Yes. Well, we got you back. So we're glad that you're back. And uh I was just saying that that your story about getting the daily word was really similar to mine. I had a. Oh yeah. I got a subscription. A, a friend of mine in the program gave me a subscription to it. So it was it was cool. So, yeah, but anyway, you're,
3: dovetails you're, with the steps, I mean yes. God is God, you know <laughs> that's right, yep. yeah, so you were you were
0: saying that when that you prayed that prayer of God, show me that you're there, and then you got a phone the phone rang, and some stuff happened, huh, that changed things stuff
3: so happened um, somebody um, I don't know if you want that whole story, it's kind of early sobri- early sobriety or early recovery story, but um. all my friends in the program were going to this women's conference, and it had been sold out for months, and I was on the waiting list, but nothing was happening there. And so what happened was someone called me and said I was on the wait, you know, I was, you know, that I could go to this conference with everyone, my sponsor and all my friends from my group, Um. Someone called again and said, We have a, you know, I was going, Oh my gosh, it's, you know, it was the next day, and I, I've got to pack, I've got to get a ride, blah, blah, blah. Somebody, you know, I was trying to take charge, take control. The phone rang again, We have a ride for you to the con- conference. And um, we got in this van to go to the conference the next day, and um, we were having a great time, and then all of a sudden the van stopped. And there was a fuel line problem, and it would it would go for a while, and then it would stop. And, you know, we were in the middle of nowhere, and we had a four-hour drive, and nobody was getting upset. <laughs> I had never seen that kind of reaction before <laughs> to um, adversity, that people didn't get upset. Um, I mean, that's not that they didn't take action. They made some phone calls to the owner of the car, the husband, and um, got some advice. And, you know, we, we kind of crawled our way across the country and finally got to this convention uh, conference. It took eight hours. A four-hour drive took eight hours. No one got upset. And so that was just like a wonderful example and life lesson to me that there wasn't just one way to react to adversity. You you could actually just accept it and do your best. You didn't have to um, complain and, and uh, think, oh, why me, and poor me, and blah, blah, blah. So then we get to this conference, and there was a young woman in with us who was very dis- disturbed, and she couldn't sleep, and she was in the bunk above me, or below me, I should say, smoking, and the smoke was coming around my pillow, and it would wake me up, and um, and I'd ask her not to do it, and she would stop for a while, and then she'd do it again, and I was getting pretty perturbed, and, you know, I was, I was, my gut I should say my old habit was to would have been to talk about her behind her back, assassinate her character, talk about how terrible she was and how she was with her fault and how you know she should move because she was disturbing me. But I looked around and there was my sponsor and all my friends from the program and I I knew that old behavior wasn't going to work around them, and they were all kind of watching this unfold. And then all of a sudden, I saw a bunk on the other side of the room, and I thought, I can move. I have the power to change this situation by moving. I don't have to try to control someone else or criticize someone else. I can move. And I did. And that was that's the a end of it.
0: that's a powerful story. We're get we've time for our break again. I love it. Okay. That's what recovery is all about. Hang on, we'll be right back, and we'll hear the rest of the story.
4: Do you ask with childlike wonder what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck, author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth-seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on Shop.
5: Universe Responding Universe
4: Responding
5: How do you really transform that thought you've held in your mind into a reality in your life how do you work in partnership with god to co-create the life that you've always imagined one way is through the universe responding spiritual model for life each week valerie crabtree will share how to use the universe responding elements and principles to co-create your life through continuous communication with your higher power She'll answer your questions using this practical, understandable concept, and your life will change. Listen to Universe Responding on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world.
2: Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus PhD. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery.
1: Welcome
0: back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Stepping Up to Spiritual Growth. And my guest is Beth A. Beth has over 30 years of recovery as a family member. And in addition to working the 12 steps, uh, when she first came into her recovery process, she keeps working them over the years. And she shares them with other people. And that's really making a lot of difference for her in the quality of her life. So um, before the break, Beth, you were telling us about how you realized that you had the power to make a change, that you didn't have to control other people. And that's, that's through working the steps. And I, I know that now you, uh, in these years later in, in your recovery, how is it that you keep working the steps? What's, what's it like for you now to work them? And I know, too, that you do make a conscious effort to share them with other people. And,
3: um, so tell us about that. Well, um, I know myself... Uh, to a certain degree, and that is that I uh, can tend to get too comfortable and f- kind of forget about, um, you know, I can cover things up that I need to be looking at because that's not comfortable. And I know that if I don't continue to look at issues that I might have, that that I will, um, it's essentially a choice to, stagnate rather than to keep on living and growing. And I don't really necessarily like working the steps, especially the fourth step. And the fifth, Well, the fifth step doesn't bother me too much. The fourth step is the ser- made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So it can be a very uncomfortable process, and I, I know that today that going in that it's, it's going to be that way until I get to the fifth step. The Four Step's all about writing um, about resentment, fear, and uh, sex issues, or guilt issues, and uh, relationship issues. And I know that if I don't do it, um, I will pay a price later. And um, the reason I choose to share there are several reasons I choose to share it with other people. Most of them are pretty selfish. One is that I have so much respect for the 12-step program that that I want it to be intact. I want it to be passed on, um, passed down, and uh, to in the same. Uh, same way that it was passed down to me so that it doesn't get diluted or um, or distorted in any way. So that's why I keep going back um, to the source, which is, for the 12-step programs, is the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's the first text, and we in the program consider it to be divinely inspired because it was just a flawed alcoholic who wrote it, but it has led so many of us to serenity and, um, and uh, productive, fruitful, peaceful lives. And so that's one reason I share it. And the other thing, another reason is that um, I can't do this by myself. I need, I need other people. I think that's you know, the steps are written in the First person plural. It doesn't say, "I admitted I was powerless over alcohol," or "I wrote a searching and fearless moral inventory." It says, "We did it," and so it's a group, community effort. And so um, that's that's one reason that I do it because it was meant to be a society of um, like-minded people of of people who share a common condition, a third reason and this is this is more a product of my being um, having been in the program for so long uh, my you know I talked about the God being the g word, my spiritual life has transformed into um, one of actually accepting practicing a a, a religion and um And that organized religion emphasizes service and ministry and carrying the word to other people. And um, having been on the receiving end of proselytization from well-meaning people who were trying to save me uh, in spite of myself or against my will, I really have... uh, an aversion to going out and doing that kind of thing, but in the program, people are actually asking for help, and they they give permission to uh, to give spiritual um, advice, if you will, or guidance, and um, and they want it, and they're willing to accept it, and so that's a much more uh, comfortable way for me to carry on the work of of um of my god here here on earth and um, and share that with them share with people who want to hear that um what God has done for me and and what I believe he can do for anyone so those those are Maybe the three big reasons I, I kind of consider it a ministry, although I would never say that in an Al-Anon meeting because <laughs> it's um, you know that's not really that's um, not really conference approved, I guess you would say. <laughs> but we do share our experience, strength, and hope, and to me, that's that's what ministry is: sharing our experience, strength, and hope. Um, I would say that my over my 30 years in the program, my life has transformed. You know, there was that work, that pink cloud was one phase. It was very short lived. Several months, maybe six months. Then came the hard work of really working those steps all the way, one through 12, in order as they're written in the book. Uh, often in organized step studies, like uh, I'm participating in right now, where we meet in a home for a few months every week and make a commitment together to work through all the steps. I've done that a number of times. And then um, after a while, those steps became internalized. And I started living a different kind of life. I started accepting who I was, just this kind of ordinary person. And I started feeling this creativity gurgle up in me. And I didn't know what that was all about. But it led to um, my looking back at my heart's desire profession that I had studied early on in my life and felt that I had never felt that I measured up. and ended up uh, at that time kind of failing miserably and in a humiliating way. And years later, um, I got a second chance to take a stab at that calling, because I believe now it was a calling. And today in my daily reading, I I read, um, I think it's Psalm 37, 4, where it says something like, I won't, quote it exactly, but um, take joy in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I have come to believe that those hearts' desires, those kind of secret longings to participate in life in a certain way are planted in us by God and to deny ourselves those things Um, is to deny God and to deny God's purpose for us here on Earth. And so I got a chance to take another stab at that heart's desire. And it involved four years of graduate school, which I had absolutely no ambitions of going back to school. But I knew that if I didn't, that I would be, again, denying God, denying life, and accepting a stagnant existence, or even a downward spiraling existence. And so one day at a time, as they tell us in the program, one foot in front of the other, I walked through four years of a graduate program that I had no idea that I could survive, (laughs) but I did. And then there was a whole licensing Process that required nine exams, and um, that I was absolutely sure that I could not pass. But I, God, provided me with a wonderful study partner, and we carried each other through that studying, grueling studying process for a year and a half, and one test at a time. We each passed those, and got our licenses and have been able to practice our professions. And so, you know, I still am kind of astounded that God um, allowed me to walk through that. It was so enriching. And it's not a spiritual profession, it's a very material profession, but there's spirituality that can be infused into it and um and I've always kept that in mind now I will say that um with the economy I have lost my job and I've a little bit lost my way in as far as my profession goes so I don't really understand that I don't know I guess I'm not supposed to understand it right now but God has placed me in a in an completely different arena uh in a leadership position which you know i don't I'm not comfortable in a leadership position but here I am and um I've been told over and over you know thank you for um, i've for leading this group through some pretty um one kind of i won't say negative i would it was getting rid of a negative force that was was really um, just helping to uh, destroy the group in some ways. It was very detrimental to the group. And because I have this, know that I'm really not the leader, that God is the leader, that he was the guiding force in this, that we got through that and we were able to extricate this negative force from the group, and then we've gone on to doing some, uh, adding some really positive things to the group, to our our mission, which is a, a philanthropic mission um, that no one um, had ever thought was possible for our little group. But um, you know, little by little. Looking at it from different angles, we were able to um, see the, the possibilities, and um, it was a financial um, thing that where we had to have a certain amount of money and we to start, and we got ended up getting twice as much as we needed to get started. So that was a real blessing and a kind of a surprise. So that's. Um, that's where I am. I'm in this leadership position. And I've up, they've re-upped me for another year. And this is not necessarily what I would have chosen. I hope to get back to my profession. And what my, my inventory, my step four, is revealing, which I'm right in the middle of it right now in the step study, is that that uh, I've been limiting myself in, that, in my thinking about it because of my age. And um, that's my problem. That's not my profession's problem. That's not the economy's problem. And there's something I can do about that. I am powerless over the economy. I am powerless over how it affects my particular profession. But I am not powerless over the way I think about myself. And um, so that's something I re- I really have needed to look at and didn't really know it until I got into the into working the steps.
0: Beth, thank you so much. You have really enriched us today. I appreciate your honesty and your uh, the sincerity that you work your program. And uh, you are a blessing. Thanks for sharing with us today. We really appreciate it, and I know the listeners have uh, really gotten a lot out of it. My pleasure. Thank you.
3: Thank you for asking me.
0: Hmm. God bless all of you. Now you're in my thoughts and prayers. And uh, join us next week for the Spirit of Recovery.
2: Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery. Only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters spiritworks.org.
1: consider yourself spiritual but does your spirituality involve your gayness reverend dulani moore and jerome braggs want you to know that you no longer have to live bound by shame for it's god's desire for you to be set free by understanding the truth of your being it is time to live the unedited life freely celebrating everything that you are and the unique expression god designed you to be Talk with Reverend Dulani and Jerome live every Monday at 5 p.m. Central on Get Into It and Get Your Life. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
6: Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the rear. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world